Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. This week, I'm sitting down at the Basha United Church for a delicious cup of coffee with my friend Robin King. Welcome back on the podcast, Robin. You should probably fess up and say you brought your own, Ben. Well, that I think goes without saying. I made coffee. Nothing, in, but you brought your own. Yeah. No offense to church coffee. Um, two churches all over the it's place. Delicious. It is, of course, and it's especially good when you're able to share it with others, which we're not able to do right now, but you and I are able to sit six feet apart at our microphones and carry on the weekly podcast. And this week, Robin, you had the great idea of exploring a question that I think a lot of people can relate to right now, especially, which is, have you ever felt spiritually lost or homeless? So can you tell me what made that question pop into your head when I asked you what we should talk about this week? Uh, well, first let me let me say. I, by the way, as you, as you said that again, I I realized I'd actually framed that not necessarily. Well, I'd framed it the wrong way. I should have said disconnected. I probably should instead have said, of lost. Yeah. Well, lost, disconnected, homeless. Uh, yeah. But but right now the the disconnected part is the part that's really the most relevant, right? Because we're lots of us feeling disconnected from stuff, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. have for a while. And now we're actually at the point where we're easing up on some of the restrictions, at least where we are. Um, and um, lots of lots of things are opening up a little bit more now. We can have more people together as long as you're outside um, and still observing uh, the physical distancing part. Um, but, but things are changing a little bit again, right? Um, and uh, in fact, things are changing a little bit again. Uh, we, you know, we've been through we've been through the whole experience of uh, Easter, and uh, Jesus is, you know, Jesus is dead. The disciples are grieving. Then he's back, and the disciples are what celebrating at <laughs> are first? They? Well, are they confused? <laughs> I think initially they're confused because mm. I think that actually, in fact, that actually even is makes it more meaningful is I think, I think after the, the resurrection the disciples were initially actually kind of just really confused. Like, you know, Jesus is probably, you know, slapping his forehead and going, but I told you this was going to happen. Didn't you listen? Um, and then, uh, they're just, they're just happy to see him. It's great. And lots of people get to see him and, uh, you know, he shares food with people. He shares stories of he's there. And then, uh, in fact, this week, uh, is Ascension day, right? Which is tied directly to Easter, um, X number of days because it's right before Pentecost and, um, he's gone again. He ascends as it were. Uh, and although, although, uh, we get that from the fact that the disciples are left standing there looking up at the sky, but in fact a cloud envelops him. I think it says an axe, mm. and and he is he is taken up, and uh, the disciples are left standing there. And at least the story, as it's told in Acts, uh, is um, two two people in white appear to them and say, "Why are you just standing around staring up at the sky?" And I, I think that's that's actually a really important story that we never tell. Because Ascension Day falls between two Sundays, right? So unless on the following Sunday you actually observe Ascension, like the Sunday after, mm -hmm. um, you might not necessarily hear the story. Um, and, and that's too bad because it's, it's a big deal. It's a huge, gigantic deal. In fact, it's the other end of the story, right? Well, it seems to be, to me, that it's one of the pillars of Christian faith in terms of you know, there's these iconic pieces of Christ's story that we hold as uh, that regardless of what denomination of Christianity you might be practicing or, or be part of, there are these fundamental pieces of like the crucifixion right, that, right. that he, that he was risen and that he ascended. So yeah. that, and, and if you take that literally, it's, it, it's saying that yeah. his physical body ascended into heaven and is still there. Right. So, yeah. So bear in mind that there's actually, there's two characters in the Bible who don't die like, you know, because of that, right? Um, Elijah's the other one. Elijah's taken up in a flaming chariot kind of thing. And, and uh, here's Jesus in a, a cloud, right? He goes, disappears in a cloud. Um, and uh, the, the thing is, like we, because we became, I think it's in part because we became such a Sunday people, Right. So we go, we go, you know, Easter, 
Easter, one, two, three, four, Easter, 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 Pentecost. <laughs> and we missed it. Wait, didn't something else happen there? Yes, something huge just happened there. Um, but we, we, go from, we go from the Sundays uh, of Easter. Uh, Jesus is back. He's risen from the dead. He's back. He's back. And now he's gone. And here's the Holy Spirit. So yeah. we're good. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. There's only like three or four days there that we were left alone. Uh, and, but that's actually kind of how the story goes, right? Is that even, even as Jesus is leaving, ascending, uh, he's reminding the disciples, at least in Luke, right? And Luke and Acts are uh, basically two volumes by the same author, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's reminding the disciples that uh, the Holy Spirit will be here for you. Don't worry about it. And then Pentecost is, you know, we celebrate Pentecost on the Sunday after. Um, but uh, here's, here's the thing, though is it, it also kind of depends on how you see the story. Because uh, if you see the story as uh, a yet another example of the victory of Jesus, right? It's triumphal, Jesus' triumphant ascension into heaven. Uh, it's, it's all about victory, triumph, power. O- oh, we're back at power over again, aren't we? Um, but but uh, here, as a kid... Um, when I was a kid, I was in the uh, the choir of the Anglican Cathedral in Toronto, and Ascension was a big deal. It was a huge deal. In fact, um, Thursday evening on Ascension Day, uh, there was a, a huge service. The choir always sang a uh, a a sort of epic setting of the commun- the the Eucharist, the communion service, um, and like it was either a Beethoven mass or a Haydn mass or, you know, um, there was there was one with, uh, and, and there'd be an orchestra. There was one year that it was a mass by Louis Vierne uh, that had two organs, so they had this little portable organ as well as a big cathedral organ and everything, and it was, it was a big deal. Um, in fact, there were years when uh, when it was a big, uh, like Haydn Mass or uh, it, it, something with an orchestra like that, you had to, ha- and I know this is weird, but you had to have a ticket. It was free, but you just, it was reserved, like the cathedral only seats 900 people. Only 900? It's, yeah, well, it's, it's, as cathedrals go, it's small, right? Hmm. So it, it only seats 900 people. So you had to have, you had to have a ticket to get in because the seats were, otherwise they'd have people like lined up at the door and going away. Right. So anyway, uh, it, it just, it was, it, so it was, it was an epic moment, right? There was, uh, the, and it was, it was high mass. There was incense. It was everything. What kind of incense are we talking about? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Why do they call it high Uh, mass? Yeah. (laughs) It's the, the, uh, well, it still is. I was going to say in those days it's, but it, it still is. The cathedral is, is, is high Anglican. Right, so oh, okay. it's Anglo-Catholic, almost almost Catholic, um, and uh, it was it was a big deal. But it was all about. So, in fact, uh, as I recall, and and I'm I'm going to look afterwards and discover I might be wrong about this, but it seems to me that the main window above the high altar in the cathedral in Toronto is actually the ascension of Jesus, like in stained glass. In stained glass, yeah. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I have somehow I have that in my head. But but it was it was a big deal. It was and and it was it was uh, it was liturgically well done liturgy, um, like high end. It was I want to say it was almost a show, but it it, it wasn't because it, people it was meaningful to people, right? Yeah, um, it's still a show, but but it was meaningful. It was very meaningful. To be, and it was a big deal, but it all celebrated the great victory of Jesus. Hmm. And how old were you at this time? Um, that was between being, I don't know, eight or nine and 14. Maybe that's the years I was in the right seven, I think, to 14. I was in the cathedral car. Um, but uh, I don't even know if they still do it, to be honest with you. But, but. Uh, it was a huge deal, and it all sell, it all revolved around this glorious victory of Jesus and the great the, this glorious moment of the ascension. Now, if you read the story, <laughs> the disciples are left standing around staring at the sky after Jesus leaves. In fact, to the point where two figures in white, we can guess who they are, appear and say. Why are you standing around staring at the sky? 
and sometimes, sometimes I think, and, and this, I, I think is a really appropriate thing to be thinking about right now is first of all, sometimes I think more often than not, we find ourselves just standing around watching something go. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and, and not knowing what to do, not knowing what to do and, and not realizing that it's not a question of, um, it, it, it's really not a question of, well, how do we get back to, you know, when we were walking around with Jesus and we were healing people and we were doing the miracles saying, oh, sounds cool. We should get back there. Wouldn't that be awesome? The good old days. Well, you can't. First of all, and secondly, what about those days when, you know, you thought Jesus was dead and you were grieving? Did you want to go back there too? Well, maybe not. Well, how about not like last week when Jesus is back? Yay, we're happy. Jesus is back. Oh, it's all worked out the way he said. This is awesome. And here we go. And uh, it's all going to be great now. Jesus is going to fix everything. It's all going to be, what do you mean you're leaving? And he's gone. Mm-hmm. And we're left standing around staring at the sky, right? Well, okay. Uh, now what do you do? What are you going to do now? You can't go back. Um, just to devolve into ridiculous politics for just a second, one of the most obscenely ridiculous things about the statement, make America great again, is you're assuming it was, first of all. And secondly, why wouldn't you just go with, why wouldn't you just go make America great? In fact, why don't we go with make Canada great? Why don't we go with make Brazil great? Why don't we go with make Colombia? Like, why don't we, every country wants to be great, surely, because people want to be great. Mm. The, the, The question is, were you once and are you wanting to go back there? And that's my, that's kind of my problem with that, that whole idea is that, you might remember it was great once, but, you know, was, wasn't that when, hey, how long ago did you still have slavery? How long ago did you have uh, women with no rights? How long ago did you have, have um, uh, such incredible poverty that, like, people literally didn't know where their next meal was coming from? Like, were those the moments you thought were great? Well, you know, what, what I mean is, no, hang on. You're still talking about going back. Yeah, it's still based in that idea that if we can just hit the rewind button. Yeah, and if we can no go back to when button. we were comfortable, when I was comfortable, I don't know about you, I don't care. But when I was comfortable, this yeah. is when we would go. And I just, I just kind of think, okay, but again, you're looking back. You're looking back. And we can always be better. Mm-hmm. Always be better. Um, well, you know this. You know this because uh, you've actually heard me say it and not usually in the particularly as positive and affirming way as I would like to, but because you do community theater, mm. right? <laughs> um, the whole point of having a practice, a rehearsal is because you can do it better next time. Yeah. Right. Like you, you don't ever go into show into a show going, Oh, I'd like to do it just like I did the other day. You go, I want to do better than that. And that was awesome. I can do better. Yeah. You know, and, and I just having been a musician too. That was always my feeling is that the, the whole point of practice, which I never did enough of, um, was to, to be better, right? To build on to what you had. Not to something unrealistic, like somebody else's standard of better, but to be better for you. Yeah. Right. And, and in order to do that, you have to go forward. Yeah. You can't go back to, oh gosh, I wish I could do it just like that. Well, you can't. Get on with it. And I, this is, I think this is a moment where the disciples are standing around and they're going, uh, okay, that was cool. Now what? And the whole rest of the book of Acts is the now what part, right? Is that they actually go and do stuff. And I, that's the thing is that I, I hear, I hear people and, you know, and, and I'm not the only, in fact, so many, thank, thankfully, so many people are now starting to say stuff like, um, you know, we can't we can't get back to normal. Mm-hmm. First of all, because you can't get back, and secondly, what was normal? Yeah, <laughs> like it, it were, things were not going great <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, anyway, and what have we learned from this experience that will help make us better? Or things that we just didn't even realize were part of our norm. Yeah, we're part of that that baseline. Yeah. And, and again, it's not about, 
It's not about how I think you could make yourself better, Ben. It's about how I think I can make myself better, how, how you think you can make yourself better. Um, and, and using the things that we've learned. That's exactly where these guys are. What have you learned from wandering around with Jesus for a few years? What did you learn from that experience of grief when he died? What did you learn from that experience of joy when he was suddenly back again? And now what are you going to do with all that? Because the point isn't that he's gone. The point is that he's kind of passed the torch to you. And, right? and so he does that in the form of telling the disciples, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost is about, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yes. The, the, I think the idea is that Jesus is trying to say, you can, you can do this mm-hmm. and to help you, there's going to be, there's going to be this other thing, this advocate, this, uh, spirit, this, 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 uh, this teacher and, uh, inspirer and create creative presence. that will be with you and you'll be able to use that, uh, as you are to make all of this, st- to do all of this stuff mm-hmm. that you've learned. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm just, just cause I know we're recording this. I'm gesturing wildly with my hands. I just want to say that because I tend to gesture wildly with my hands when I'm having trouble figuring out how to actually say that. <laughs> and I think that's the point is, is you could, you could go on at great lengths to describe what the Holy Spirit is all about and you can interpret it. And, and well, the Bible says this and Jesus says this, and that means this. Um, but, but the thing is that the, the, the power of the spirit isn't that it's the same for everybody, mm. right? We all, like, we all come to God our own way. We all come to the spirit our own way. We're all inspired in our own way because we have our own gifts and we're our own, our own. It's, it's a power that connects us, but it's also the power that, that inspires our uniqueness, right? Our diversity. That's why, that's why I think, um, it's important to always remind people that the diversity of creation is our greatest strength, mm-hmm. right? The diversity of people, um, that we are different is a good thing. Well, if you can, if you think of your connection to spirit, um, or to the Holy Spirit as a relationship, and most people who have a faith where that's an important part of their faith, that, that relationship or connection to the Holy Spirit or to, to God or to, um, whatever you want to call that, the the key word there to me is that it's a relationship. And so if if I have a relationship with God and you have a relationship with God, of course those are going to look different because mine is my relationship and yours mm-hmm. is, is yours. And just like you and I both have a relationship with a bunch of our common friends and, and family members, it's not... The same, right? Like right. my my relationship with Lori is very different from your relationship with Lori or from I Kelly. I sure or... hope so, Ben. <laughs> bad example, um, but but by definition, they're they're unique and individual. Yeah. And w- so, why would it be any different when we're yeah. talking about the one spirit that is connected to all of us? Yeah. It's it's expressed uniquely to yeah. each of us. It's actually, uh, in fact, uh, it's one of the great. Uh, it, I, I, I always, I, I'm always, uh, uh, happy as sometimes when things are expressed a certain way, because it leaves people wondering so that you then have the opportunity to explain, right? So on the United Church crest, in fact, our, our slogan, our motto, whatever you want to call it is, uh, originally was ut omnes unum sint. I think I got that right in Latin. It means that all may be one, which by the way, is also the part of the gospel reading for this Sunday. Um, hmm. the Sunday after Ascension. Um, but uh, it doesn't mean all the same. It, it doesn't mean uh, conformity. It means unity. And those are not the same things. Hmm. We're not all the same. We can't be all the same. My vision of what uh, might have been a great time in the life of the universe is not the same as yours, Right. So you can't say stuff like, let's, let's make this great again, or let's go back to, remember when we did this, let's do that again. O- okay, you can may- maybe try and do it again, but it's not going to turn out the same way. It's going to be a co- totally different experience um, because you don't live backwards, you live mm. forwards. I can't even watch the same movie twice and have the same experience. 
You know what I mean? Like, right. Partly because back, you already know it and partly because well, that, you're going to see things you didn't see before. Yeah, because you're never taking it all in. Right. But it's like uh, you just mentioned community theater when we did our most recent production here was Matilda. And there was lots of people in the audience who came two, three, four times to see it. Yeah. And they got, they took something different away from it every time. Yeah. And life is like that. Because it's live, Right. And, and I know you, yeah, even you want to say, so you want to say live, movies, yeah. well, you know, again, yeah, you're going to get more out of a movie to watch the second time you watch it or the third time you watch it, or, you know, by the 7,000th time you've watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show and you know all the lyrics and the songs and you throw toast at the screen and stuff. Um, it, it, you've, you've moved into a different zone with that, but, but live, like life, live theater, um, you, you don't always see everything that's happening in the moment that it happens, right? No. And then, then, so the second time you see it, you might see something different in that moment on stage or the person who's doing it because it's live might do it slightly differently, right? Yeah. And it's just like life because it, it's live. Um, and, and that's, that's, again, that's the thing about this moment in the story is, is that the disciples are left standing there going, wow, that was, that was awesome. Now what? <laughs> well, Get on with it, right? So are you thinking that um, some or all of these disciples felt, like back to your question that we opened with, that they would have felt just a little bit lost and a little bit spiritually uh, disconnected, I think was the term you used, or spiritually homeless? Because I, their their spiritual journey um, at that time was so rooted in physically being with their teacher, with their rabbi. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's gone. Like you said, right. he died. That's our experience back, right now, isn't it? And then it? he leaves again. That's our experience right now. Um, since uh, March the, I want to say 15th, mm -hmm. uh, which was the last day that uh, churches were open, um, people have not been able to physically gather as they have, right? We've tried to find new ways to do that, which is why it's important to remember that um, the proper term is physical distancing, um, and uh, I just saw somebody had written this somewhere, and, and so I'm, I'm stealing it, and I can't remember who. I'm so sorry. Um, but it's important to remember that um, the proper term is physical distancing, and we look for new ways to socially connect. Yeah. In fact, the more physical distancing we do, the more important it is to socially connect. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so, so simply being separated physically as we are, we've looked for other ways to do that. And some ways have been successful, some ways uh, for, for some people, but not for everybody, right? So we go online and we start creating videos and media and stuff and all that kind of thing. But let's be realistic about that. There's a large part of the constituency of people who attend any religious community um, that uh, don't use social media or aren't on the internet. And how are we meeting their need? Well, we mm. started making some DVDs and things. But my perspective on that is from at least the few people that we've made DVDs for that I took DVDs to, it's a great opportunity to see people um, that they weren't, uh, that they're not currently connected to. But the best part is, um, I get a little visit in with those people each time I drop it off, mm. the inappropriately physically distanced one. Um, but they're, they're people who, uh, are, are, pe they're very, people who like to be socially connected, but they do it primarily on the phone or they go and visit somebody. That's how mm. they do it. It's not social media. And there's a lot of people like that. And, and they're, they're people in particular who I think have felt really disconnected um, for the last uh, however many weeks this has been. I don't know, 57? I, it's a lot. <laughs> the kids were just asking it's me that at, at lunch just now. Uh, they said, how many days has it been, Dad? I said, I, I don't know. I honestly, I, I would be totally guessing. I have yeah. completely lost track. And then I could hear the girls talking to each other and they were saying, well, there's seven days in a week and there's four days, and four weeks in a month. And it's been this many months. I thought, oh boy, well, they're getting a little bit of well, math practice. And even then, yeah, even then your perspective on that is everybody's perspective on that is different, right? Like you and I might kind of go, uh, well, okay, last time we had a actually people were able to gather in a public place was sort of mid-March and we might 
pinpoint a date or whatever, mm-hmm. and then we'd figure out dates and stuff. But uh, particularly for uh, for kids, right? Part of their perspective is um, how long haven't we been in school? That, I was just going to say that is, and it was that's supposed their, to go yeah. until the end of June. Yeah, and we're not going to be in until so. Like they're there, it, it well, no, I, I imagine it's endless in some ways. Well, for them, it's hard. Yeah. You, when you're five and eight yeah. and 10 years old, you can't, you're not picturing like what four or you're five months days, feels yeah. like. And yeah, you know, I have no idea. No sense of that. Yeah. And for them, no matter, no matter how much of the restrictions are eased between now and September, they're still not going back to school until September. Yeah. So most of their friends, they won't see now until September. That's, that's a long summer break. Can you imagine Just, what those first few days back in September are going to be like? Oh my lord! Anyway, uh, <laughs> so there's we, one other we thing. Move I wanna, on from that pretty quick. Well, there's another thing I wanted that as you were talking that made me think of around. So we, you know, you picture seniors in long-term care or just people isolated at home, whatever the case is, and they are. You're right. You're, they're so accustomed to physically getting together um, that for those people, especially, it would mm-hmm. be really hard. Uh, Sarah and I were doing some, our, our first day back at work, we were actually able to go and film somewhere. We did some uh, properly social distanced uh, interviewing of a, of a couple um, farmers uh, down in Southern Alberta. And we were speaking with a 90 year old farmer who he, at first he didn't, we were interviewing his grandson, Luke, and he did fantastic. And, uh, and then Luke said, well, Grandpa, why don't you, you know, say a few words and get on camera here. Well, you can, you can take over here. And he said, oh, no, I don't, I, I got nothing to say. Luke, you, you said it all. And we finally talked him into it. And so this old guy comes over and leans against the fence and there's the red barn is in the background. And we got him talking about um, just how meaningful it is to him to be able to pass this farm on to his son's generation. And then now his grandson, who's in his mid-20s, and he started talking about the good old days, you know, like sort of like you were saying, you know, let's make uh, make America great again. Well, he was he's looking back on all these fond memories of um, of his his lifetime on the farm, but also the difficulty of it and how he said, "Yo, you know, people don't even understand like what we we had to clear this land with with hand tools and we had to, you know, just how difficult life was back then. And then he started talking about um, how difficult it's been in this last couple of months during all the, you know, not being able to leave and not being able to see his friends. And this, the moment that he said, you know, and I can't, I can't go into town and have coffee with my friends. And he, he broke down and started crying because to him, especially because he, he, his wife had passed away. So he lives, you know, he's a bachelor. That's his family. And, yeah. Yeah. And so now yeah. to be, to not be able to go and see, his his community members that he's friends with and to, to reconnect and visit over a cup of coffee at the local hotel or wherever like that's his lifeline really to staying to keeping connected and that's been taken away from him um and the, one other thing that just popped into my head while you were talking about that was uh in terms of the the cool uh, ideas and ways that people are coming up with to to carry on that connection we were planting the community garden here yesterday and Lori was talking about how she's been getting outdoors lots uh, and going for long walks and getting lots of steps in and lots of exercise. Um, and, and that's been really good for her, but she's the reason she's doing it is because she's been reaching out and offering uh, to go on walks for people that just need someone to talk to and, and her feeling like they're mm-hmm. in crisis and needing some support. And I thought, man, that's, that's brilliant. Like just because you can't go to someone's house and have like a, a traditional pastoral care support visit like you would maybe have with people in the community. She and she's her, um, for her, it's more about connecting with students in the school because that's right. her area of work. But I, I just, I don't know that I ever would have thought of that to, to just invite someone to come on a walk with you that needs to A, get out of their house and be connected to another human being. Yeah. It's better than a phone call because you're able to at least see the other yeah. person's face, but you keep your distance. And then also well, you're getting yeah, the physical... Say, as long as you're physically distancing, right? Yeah, and then you're it's, also getting the physical... Um, yeah. Like you're getting a walk-in. And that's, I mean, that's that's particularly... Yeah, that's particularly... Uh, 
important, particularly like for younger people who are, you know, they're normally energetic, they're normally outside, they're all normally doing stuff and, and they haven't been. Um, but also like I, seniors and people who live in, uh, facilities, right? Uh, seniors facilities where you, first of all, you, you probably didn't get out much to begin with. Right. And so we kind of go, well, how different can it be for them? Well, it's hugely different because they don't have people coming in. Yeah. Right? That's the big change. It's, it, it, they, they may not have gone out much before, although the lots are really missing being able to even just go outside for a walk. Right. Um, and, and it's spring, so they, you want to, um, but they, they miss the people coming to visit them. And you see all these great stories about, um, sometimes people will go to, you know, the window, right. If they're on mm -hmm. the first floor and, you know, they'll, they'll talk through the window or, you know, that kind of thing. And that's great. But again, that doesn't take care of everybody. Um, there's in order to, to, uh, in order to cover, um, as, as many as we, like, we, we need to be doing like a thousand things, right? Mm -hmm. It's not enough to put your church service online. It's not enough. It's and and, uh, it's not enough to make DVDs. It's not enough to make videos. Um, you gotta be on the phone with people. You gotta be doing, and, and you know, that's, that's a lot. And particularly if you are, uh, it, particularly if you're in a smaller community where you have like a minister who say, I don't know, covers at least two congregations. Um, and there are, there's a, there is a, um, there's a pastoral of charge of the United church, just kind of to the, uh, east of here, uh, that has, I think four or five points to it. Wow. Um, and that's a huge amount of ground to cover. Um, it, once you get like you put your service online, you do videos, blah blah blah. But one person has to try and figure out a way to connect with those people, and and I think the only really realistically the only way to do that is to remember that that one person can't, mm -hmm. right? Everybody has to be part of it, and and that actually is kind of a little bit of a silver lining thing, right? Is that that um, you hope that. Um, people in your community realize that it's important for them to connect with each other, not just through that one place they went on Sunday mornings, mm -hmm. but to connect with each other all the time well, um, that kind and, of and find ways to do that. Yeah. I mean, that makes me think of, uh, you know, a long time ago, there was a firm belief that to speak to God, you, there was, there was one guy that you could talk to. Right. <laughs> that, yeah. that you couldn't you speak don't, to. You don't talk to God. You yeah. talk to the one who talks to God, right? Yeah, and we've moved away from that Thank for goodness. the most well, part. Most, it, yeah. Maybe not everyone, but yeah. for the most part, religion today uh, has a different view of how we yeah. connect to God and that it's not something that's controlled yeah. through um, one priest or, or minister yeah. or pastor and that those those people who are ordained don't have this special access to the guy yeah. upstairs. Although some people maybe still believe that, but I think that this time that we're in does shine a light on, like you said, even more clear of a need for us to lean on each other and to rely on the creativity and ingenuity and, and grace and um, selflessness of people like Lori and people like you and people like all this, the heartwarming stories you see in the social media where people have done something to reach out and support someone where you thought, wow, that's, that's a cool way of, of staying yeah. connected. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, I was actually sad about this yesterday. I want to say yesterday or Sunday. Um, John Krasinski has been doing a thing on YouTube that some good news. Yeah. Uh, that that he uh, essentially they're collecting together like he tells some stuff but he's collecting together stuff and uh, the latest one which I think was posted on Sunday certainly appears to be the last one it 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 was framed like this is the last one oh really I I, I, didn't, I didn't read anything to say it was but the way they framed it was kind of like we you know we're done doing this now and and I I maybe they're thinking that they're you know things are moving Opening forward up again and, and yeah. yeah but but uh that's too bad because like i wish that was going all the time it would carry on um, because it because it wasn't just um it wasn't just good news it was um inspiring uh news it was fun it was um you know 
it, it, it'll make you cry and laugh and everything. Like it engages people in an emotional way that goes way beyond just good news, right? It's an, inspiring and stuff. And this is where, this is where um, and, and I don't want you to think this gets you out of listening to Sunday's message, but um, this is where I think this story goes. Uh, this is exactly where I think this story goes. And I think why it's, it, it's, it's such great timing to remind people uh, is where this story with the disciples goes is that they're left standing there while Jesus goes away. And basically what they're left with is, it's your job now. It's not just me. It's you. It's all of you. And, and by the way, it's not just you, Peter. It's not just you, James or John. It's all of you. And tell people that. That, that it's not just about one person or two people doing stuff. It's not, it's not that any one in particular of you has a direct line to God and the rest don't. You all do. Go and do it. Right? And, and that's the thing is that like we see all these stories and they're, they're, they're great. Uh, and I always, when I, when I see those stories, I just think, or that's some good news thing, I just think, I just hope that's the tip of a huge iceberg. And not just, you know, the stories. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because I just, I think we need, we don't just need one or two of those. We need everybody to be living one of those stories, kind of, kinds of stories, right? Where they've, they are somehow connected or touched by somebody uh, in a way that, that uh, shows we care and we love and, uh, and we're all trying to do that. Um, so it's not just left up to, you know, a particular people person or group of people or, or do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's not, it's not, um, it's not pastoral care workers or social workers. It's not or, someone's job. It's, it's not, it's not just a specific person's job. It's everyone's job to care. It's everyone's job to, to show that they love not just each other, but the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, that, it, that it kind of even goes beyond that. I think the message of that story even just goes beyond people. It goes into how we care for the environment, it, how we, how we do, how we live. Right. That's what it's about. Go and go and live the way I showed you. So you'd think Robin with how clearly Jesus taught that in his time when he was here a little over 2000 years ago with how, with how many lessons and examples and um, parables and teachings that he left those disciples with, how did we get it so wrong? How did we go so far astray where just a few hundred later, years later, we're on, you know, these crusades murdering people all, all around the globe in the name of, of Christianity and, and that, it's taken 2000 years for us to get to this point where we're still so fractured, so far away from, I don't remember the Latin words that you shared, but that, that, um, that idea all may of, be one. Yeah. That, that idea of, of us all being unified, not in uniformity, but unified in our humanity, unified through love, unified through, um, all of the things that Jesus taught us to the ways that he taught us to connect that we're still wrestling with it and tripping and falling and failing so constantly that and I mean, I'm not trying to take this into <laughs> to a, a darker direction, but I think right now, as we are examining more closely what, what the normal was and do we want to go back to that and what is the new normal going to look like? What should we be striving toward? What, what should we be hoping that society and, uh, life as humans on this planet could look like moving forward. And hopefully this will be a catalyst for, for some major change. How are we not just doing better? Uh, if, if I had an answer to that, I, uh, if, uh, if there were a real answer to that, um, it would certainly make life a lot different. Um, I, you know what? I even even in the moment of this story, right? It's uh, uh, it's funny. They um, as a story is sorry as the story is written. They worship Jesus. It says in the story. Um, a few weeks back, we had a uh, um, we had a Sunday where I took questions. It was the Doubting Thomas story, and we connected to questions and stuff. And so one of some, one of those questions was, would would Jesus 
uh, appreciate being well, something like would Jesus appreciate being worshipped, or would he think right. that's okay? I remember that. And uh, the thing is, we 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 did it from the like right from the get go, um, and and we still do. And there are people who might think I should you know be burned at the stake for saying we shouldn't do that. Um, but but the thing is, there's a point at which you cross a line. And into and and this is I think kind of what happened with the church is that we crossed a line from being the church to being an institution where structure became important enough that we started to protect the institution and live into the structure rather than the intent. And that's not new. In fact, Jesus repeatedly <laughs> questioned that very thing, right? That that it's not about it's not about the the letter of the law. It's about the intent, or what's at the I'm sorry, not even the intent. It's what's at the heart of it, right? Um, and it's not about the structure. It's not about the ritual. It's about what's at the heart of it. And we kind of now we like we have arguments over, um, you know, historically we've had arguments over the silliest what I think is the silliest parts of. Of ritual and structure and you know we we have arguments over did it does it mean this or does it mean that and and you know we cherry pick things out of the bible to back up our argument when in fact the point, whole point of the stories in the bible isn't to back up what we already think it's to help us form what we think into living uh in a way that is good and uh um, loving and not not destructive right in fact in fact, now that I think about saying that out loud, um, we tend to frame things as, like when we talk about how we want things to be good, we tend to frame them as we don't want them to be X, right? Mm. We, like, like I, we, want, we don't want things to be destructive. So, okay, what's the positive way of saying that? Well, construct, create, it. We, it, we struggle with that, but it's easier to say, we just don't want it to be destructive. Okay, but what do you want it to be? <laughs> Like, what does it look like? Mm -hmm. and, and maybe we struggle with envisioning that. What does it look like to be better, right? What does it look like to um, make something great? What well, does that look like? We're kind of limited in our capacity to manifest or create or, or um, design the future because all you have at your disposal is this memory bank or library of of this is what I've seen before. This is what I know yeah. based on life, life's experience. Yeah. And that's how, I mean, as you watch a child developing and their, their brain uh, development, everything is just vertical at first, right? There's, there's just this exponential growth of, of information and data, raw data that they can pull from in what they know. Like the, before you've, touched a hot stove for the first time, you have no frame of reference for, oh, that's dangerous. I should pull my hand away quickly. And then you amass this mountain of data and experiences right. that you can then, your brain then can, can yeah. draw on to say, to, well, this is what yes, I would like it to be exactly. like. Okay. But that's exactly the point. And that, that's, that's the thing about another thing about this story is, and, and we're really, we're uh, even uh, like, I'm not really good at, I'm at, uh, I'm, I'm often not good at this, <laughs> is I like to remind people that Jesus said we should love one another the way I showed you, right? Jesus showed us how to. So if we follow the example of Jesus, if we live the way Jesus taught and love each other, then, you know, okay, okay. But um, a better way of saying that might be the, the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, or any Jesus-like figure depending on your faith tradition, um, gives us the tools, right? It doesn't mean that we should dress like Jesus, walk down the street, and, and if we lay our hands on a sick person, they will instantly be, be healed, you know, because it says so in the story. That's not what it means. It means that we, are, we have the tools, right? Um, and uh, we, we take those tools, our, our toolbox of things, to the situation we find ourselves in to the life we live, right? It doesn't mean we do things exactly like Jesus. So for all of those people who are concerned that they're not Jesus, 
So how could they possibly do it? First of all, yes, you are. Secondly, no one's asking you to be exactly like Jesus. All Jesus asked people to do was to live a life, um, their own to be life, them. but to live into the... And this is, this is where just a few minutes ago I was thinking to myself, um, that, that truly is the... Uh, uh, what's uh, what's a fancy word here in uh, the contrast? The um, uh, like it's the juxtaposition, juxtaposition? of those two yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, one is um, we're in we if we are created in the image of God, we are inherently good. Mm-hmm. Good is our factory setting. Well, if that's true, Robin, why do we suck at it so bad? Like why why can't we be better at being good? And and then here's Jesus going, yes, you can. If you just live into the idea that you are inherently good and and love each other and 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 like build relationships, mm. don't uh, share power. Don't don't try and have power over someone or even over the earth. Mm. Share it. Yeah. If if the sinful nature that often gets talked about is the learned behavior right. as opposed to the factory setting, then that learned behavior it's it's easy to to forget to but, slip but then, into. But then then. We, we get into, locked into that learned behavior because we, we hear these stories about Jesus says, you know, you should love your neighbor and you should, you know, do this and this and this and this. And we go, well, okay, but that's, that's not terribly practical. And if I were to do, like the, the guy who, uh, his name's gone out of my head now, but he famously wrote a book, The Year of Living Biblically. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and some of it, the, the thing is at the end, I think what he, I think what he kind of came to was... Um, yeah, it's all out of date and it's all, a lot of it's impractical and a lot of it's this and this, but I did learn something here, right? Uh, I learned that it, that it helps to have, um, uh, a little bit of structure and direction and, you know, uh, it, it, it it's not, um, you can't live it exactly the way it says. You have to live it into your own life, right? You have to bring it into your own space, your own way of being, right? And and so when Jesus says, "Love the way I showed you," I, I, I it doesn't mean exactly the way I did stuff mm. in these stories. Say the exact words that I said to people, and yeah, behave exactly the same way. Yeah, and... it, it doesn't mean smack them on the forehead, say, "Be healed," and they instantly are kind of back to that idea of uniformity versus unity it's it's a lot easier to get uh, uh, a unanimous agreement when there is this clear-cut just extreme danger or this extreme like everyone's scared of the same thing okay yeah we can get everyone on board with shutting things down but now when you know you're kind of gradually easing up on the restrictions and a lot of people have got the virus and have recovered from it. There's unclear answers and there's debate on how we uh, have um, immunity to it and whether you can have immunity to it and how it may or may not be, um, uh, what's the word, uh, changing and uh, mutating. mutating. Thank you. So now that all of these things are kind of a little bit up in the air, it's so much more difficult to across uh, even just one province, let alone a country, let alone the whole world, form any sort of agreement on what is appropriate, what's the right way to move forward, what's the right course of action here. And we look to our, our leaders as though just a small number of people are supposed to have all the answers to, to lead us forward and to make those decisions for the millions and hundreds of millions and billions of us. And that's, it's, it's really difficult. And I mean, we're, it's a good thing that we do have um, leadership in our, in our communities and in our communities of faith as well. But we also, I think this ties into the whole conversation today, we, we need each other to navigate our way through this as, as communities and as a people. Yeah, right. you, you said it really well in a, uh, something you put up on Facebook not long ago where you said that it, it's just so important to remember that as all of this stuff is changing, and as in Alberta anyway, the, we're in this phase one of reopening, it's so important to remember that to give space for others to each come to that their own way. And that for some people, the, the, the appropriate response might be, yeah, you know what, I'm going to shelter in place a little longer. I've got 
uh, someone in my family who has an autoimmune disorder and I'm nervous about that. Well, respect that person's choice and respect the person who's also, you know, super eager to get back to work because they're um, in a tight financial position and need to, to get employed again as fast as they can. And that's their main their priority. And to just remember that we can't project our own values and priorities onto other people. That we are individual and and we have to remember that and give space for other people to do what's right for them. That's a whole idea about belonging. And maybe this, this kind of comes back to the, have you ever felt lost and homeless, spiritually lost and homeless? Is uh, we talk so much about um, wanting to be welcoming as faith community. And, and the thing about that is that it's, it's easy to say, we welcome you as long as you come here and do exactly what we do. And, and the thing about belonging is, belonging isn't about fitting in. Belonging is about being part of a community where you feel like not just, um, not just that you can connect with what other people are doing and what they're thinking and, and be impacted by that, but that you bring something. Belonging isn't just being one of the team. It's being one of the team who contributes something. And it, it uh, not only connects with, but actually changes the others as well, too, right? And so that's, that's, that's what creates that sense of belonging. I'm really glad that you took us to that place to, to end off with today because it ties in really nicely with the conversation that I had last week with Kelly Henry. And Kelly was talking about, really, what Kelly and I were talking about in last week's episode was about finding your way and finding a place to belong when you do feel a, a little bit spiritually lost or spiritually homeless, as in, I'm looking for a church home. I'm looking for a community of faith that I can belong to and feel like I'm I'm part of something that is, is a fit. And I think all of us can relate to, at some point in our lives, feeling lost, feeling homeless, and feeling like we're longing for that. And it was so encouraging to hear Kelly say that, that for her, um, participating in church on a Sunday morning through the live stream gives her that that feeling of, yeah, I'm still part of this. We're still connected. We're still together, even though it's not in person, even though it's just online. And uh, and yeah, it was. I, I loved hearing from her that even during all of this and being at home uh, and not physically getting together, that she's getting that um, sense of spiritual fulfillment from it. And we talked about lots of other ways that people are doing that too, other than just uh, online church. But yeah, the two the two conversations really go well together. And uh, anyway, for anyone who hasn't listened to that one yet, it was last week with, with Kelly Henry. It was a great episode. Thank you for this conversation, Robin. This was awesome. <laughs> uh, until next week, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast. If you're not subscribed already, you can hit the subscribe button on iTunes or on your podcast app. And if you'd share these with, uh, with anyone in your life that you think might benefit from it, we would love your support in growing the online community and for supporting Six Ways from Sunday. So until next time, take care and be well.